There are times we will be reading the Bible and come across a scripture and we just don't understand it. The way I handle this is I just say to God, I don't understand this scripture. God may explain it to me immediately and then sometimes he does not explain it to me immediately. I don't go about trying to find what other human beings have to say about that scripture. God has trained me to turn to him. You could take a vote on what a certain thing means in a scripture and it would could be like this old joke about the elementary school classroom where a cat wandered into the classroom. A little boy became very excited and said to the teacher, what is the sex of the cat? She, looking horrified, said, I don't know. He said, oh, I know how we can find out the sex of the cat. We can vote on it. We are not going to find out the will of God by voting on it. Nor are we going to find out what something of God means by taking a vote on it and hearing the opinions of other people. We need to hear directly from God by His Spirit to understand. There's a scripture where Jesus opened the eyes of some men after Jesus was raised from the tomb, was raised from the dead, but he hadn't ascended yet into heaven. Luke 24, verse 15, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, the crucifixion of Jesus. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden, blinded, so that they should not know him. They didn't know it was Jesus. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast thou not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? The crucifixion of Jesus. And he, Jesus, said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, to the, this is the third day since these things were done. 
Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he, Jesus, said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? That is what happens when God explains a scripture to us by his spirit. He opens to us the scripture and all of a sudden we understand. We see what he's talking about. Start at verse 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. The day of the Lord will not come. Jesus will not return until this happens. Except there come a falling away first. That, was, that had to happen. The falling away, God explained to me back in 1982, people weren't going to be leaving the churches. The churches were going to be leaving the scripture. That was the falling away. And that falling away allowed the man of sin to be revealed. It allowed Antichrist to surface in the churches. Antichrist is not one person, but many people. It's just like the devil is not in one person, but in many people. Antichrist is not in one person, but in many people. The Apostle John said in 1 John chapter 2, he said, it's the last time, and we know it's the last time because there are many Antichrists today. You can look at that for yourself, but it is in First John chapter 2. Even in the day of Paul and John, there were already many Antichrists, but they would get much worse, and entire churches would fall away from the Scripture. We are seeing that today and what that means is the stage is set for the return of Jesus. 
rereading that from Second Thessalonians chapter 2, King James Version. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This was in 1982 that God showed me this falling away would be churches falling away from Scripture. For the next three or four decades, I hunted a church to attend, and every time I went to church, I would hear the pastor teaching something that was not in the Bible. And when I would call the pastor the next day about this, he didn't repent. He didn't say, oh, I'm so sorry. He just got angry with me. Over and over this happened, and I was so depressed. Between 1982 and 2016, I was disturbed over churches, for I saw this over and over and over. I always went to the church with a good heart. I would not go to a church if I thought something was wrong at that church. But every time I got there, things happened, and I could see what they were teaching was not according to the Bible. What is going on? I was so dense because God had told me the falling away had to come into churches. But I just didn't recognize it until the year 2016 and God showed me something else about this passage of Scripture. I will switch for just a minute to the NASB version of the Bible. Verse 5, do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things, says Paul, and you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed what was restraining Antichrist, and it just hit me like a bolt of lightning. The scriptures restrained Antichrist from the church. The minute the scriptures were removed, and the church fell away from the scriptures, then Antichrist could move in. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, says Paul. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Jesus is the word. When the word is taken out of the way, the restraint is gone. I just saw it. It was just open and clear. And from that point on, I was not depressed over what I was seeing in the churches because I knew it was Antichrist coming into the church. I knew by this section of Scripture, Antichrist had to come into the church before Jesus came because that's what Paul said about it. Then recently, something else was revealed to me about the same section of Scripture. Back to the King James Version. Starting at verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. 
God revealed to me that there are just certain people that do not love the truth. It doesn't matter to them. It seems a small thing that the scriptures say such and such. They just don't care. If they loved the truth, they would be saved because they would be moved out of the place where the truth had vanished. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Antichrist is already here. The churches have already fallen away from Scripture and explained away portions of Scripture. So the stage is set that Jesus can return. But the problem is, if you're in one of those churches where they've explained away portion of Scriptures and you're sitting among them and Jesus returns in your lifetime, I don't believe you will be taken out with the rest of the church. I think you will be left here for the great tribulation. And no one wants to go through that. Jesus even said, pray that you'll be worthy to escape these things which will come and stand before the Son of Man. That is in Luke 21. In this section of scripture in Luke 21 Jesus says, Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape. It's not a matter of praying, I pray that I be, am accounted worthy to escape. It's a matter of watching yourself and what you do on this earth, and praying always concerning what you do on this earth, connecting to God with prayer constantly that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So we go along in this life and we're saying, what would you want me to do today? Please help me in what I'm doing. Please help me in this. Please teach me that. Am I going the right way? We're always asking God to help us as a little child follows his father. And that's what that scripture means. One of the first scriptures revealed to me was in Matthew 16. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he, Jesus, saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I 
saw immediately when I was reading that that it wasn't a matter of confessing Jesus is Lord, but rather it is a matter of speaking that word that God gives you on any given subject. For flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Jesus would build the church on the revealed word of God, on that word that God reveals to each of us. That is upon what the church is built. In March 2020, something was revealed to me in a scripture, concerning a scripture. It's in Philippians chapter 2. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. When I got to that verse 6, I said to God, I just don't understand this. And immediately my eyes were opened. Jesus was in the form of God. But even being in the form of God, he didn't think that he had to try to be equal with God. He didn't have to outdo God. He didn't have to prove himself to other people on this earth. He didn't have to come saying, look at me, I'm the Son of God. By what he did, those who were ordained to eternal life saw what he did. Jesus did not have to prove himself equal to God. Sometimes scripture is revealed by scripture. There's a passage of scripture in 1 Samuel 6. Every time I read this, I wondered why it happened. They were going to move the Ark of the Covenant. David and the people went to get the Ark of the Covenant, they set the Ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Aho, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was in Gibeah, accompanying the Ark of God, and Aho went before the Ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and psalteries, and on trembles, and on coronets, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God to, and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for his error, and he died by the ark of God. 
And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uthah, and he called the name of the place Peruthah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So he left the ark of God at the house of Obadidom, the Gittite. And God blessed Obadidom in everything he did. I think it was there about three months. Why did God kill Yusa? All Yusa did was reach up and touch the ark of God to steady it so it wouldn't fall off of the cart when the oxen stumbled. Why was Yusa killed? I've wondered this for years. Recently, I was reading in Chronicles, and it explained why Yusa was killed by God. First Chronicles 15 And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. But the ark of God wasn't there. They had to move it to Jerusalem. Then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. So here's part of the reason Yusa was killed by God. He was not appointed to move the ark of God. Not only was he not appointed to use, move the ark of God, they didn't move it in the right way. So you think little details don't matter to God? This should show you they very much matter to God. He struck Yusa dead because of a little detail. All of these things in the Old Testament are examples for us today so that we would know the way to go. And David gathered all Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place which he had prepared for it. And David assembled the children of Aaron, the Levites, and said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. Verse 13, For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. We have to do things according to the order of God. After Jesus arose, he gave ministers to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. You cannot call them priests. You cannot call them pope. You cannot call them archbishop. You cannot call them cardinal. You cannot set a competition in your church where you move from pastor to apostle that doesn't work that way you are appointed apostle from the beginning you are appointed pastor from the beginning you don't move like the catholics do from bishop to archbishop to whatever they move to and to pope you don't achieve and arrive at this position you are 
appointed by Jesus at that position of that ministry. It's very different from the way of the world. And that is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, 12. So the priest and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders. That was how God had told them to move it. Not by a cart pulled by oxen, but there were Levites that would use staves and put the ark of God on their shoulders and move it that way. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon as Moses commanded according to the word of God. God had set forth an exact way to do this, to move the ark, and it had to be done that way. God sets forth an exact way for the ministries of the New Testament. It has to be done that way. Any other way that they do it will bring a problem. It will cause idolatry in the church. It will cause you to be destroyed if you're in there with them. It has to be set up the way God prescribes in the New Testament church. Details are important. Every detail is important. Every portion of the word of God is important. And that's what this scripture teaches. In most of today's churches, they say that apostles and prophets don't exist today. This is really pretty bad. If In Ephesians, Jesus gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That was after Jesus arose. Absolutely nothing has changed since the time Jesus gave these to the church. These are the ministry offices. There is nothing that removed apostles and prophets from the church other than fleshly men. But apostles and prophets still exist. They might not be able to work in the individual churches, but they can work on radio, Podbean, blogs, they can still do the work of the ministry, though it's not the way God prescribed it. They have been removed from most of the churches, but they haven't been removed by God, so they still exist. In the Old Testament, King Jeroboam was one of the most evil kings of all that had ever come upon Israel. He did terrible things. In those days, the tribe of the Levites were appointed by God as the priest. Now, we don't have priests today, but they did in the Old Testament. They were appointed by God for the work pertaining to things of God. 
Jeroboam would not allow the Levites to minister. Instead, Jeroboam set up the lowest of men to be the priest. The Levites had to move to the tribe of Judah at Jerusalem in order to do the job that God appointed for them to do. This was a terrible sin. Another thing Jeroboam did is he set up two golden calves, one at Bethel and one at Dan, so the people would go there to worship. And he set up these vile men to be priests. He is described multiple times in the Bible as being one of the most evil of all the kings. He caused the people to sin. He caused the children of Israel to sin because he set up idols. Today, churches everywhere cause the congregations to sin by setting up idols in the churches for them to worship, one of which is to call the minister's reverend. That's one horrible idol that causes the people to sin when they do it. The Catholic Church is loaded with idols. They cross themselves. That's not in the Bible. They cross themselves with holy water. That's not in the Bible. They pray by lighting candles for some reason to give them faith or connect them with God or something. I'm not quite sure why they light those candles, but it's definitely not in the Bible to light candles in connection with prayer. They set up all kinds of graven image inside their church buildings, and they go to these things and they fall down before these graven images and they quote some kind of words that are printed there for them. And they think this is religious. These are idols. They wear crosses around their necks. They wear pendants. They trust in St. Christopher who's supposed to protect them when they're driving. I know a Catholic woman who has a St. Christopher medal attached to her front sun visor on her car for protection. St. Christopher, I assume, is some dead person. Dead people cannot protect you. It's impossible. God is the only one who protects us. All of this is idolatry. It is heavily focused on idolatry in the Catholic churches, but some of the other Protestant churches do it too. They do all kinds of things that are not in the Bible. They make up doctrine according to their own minds. For example, the Church of Christ made up a doctrine where you cannot have instrumental music in the church. And they did it by that scripture that says uh, singing and making melody in your hearts. Well, if you sing and make melody in your hearts... You don't even have to open your mouth if you're going to be that literal. It has nothing to do with instrumental music at all. There are so many false doctrines in the churches. They've removed apostle prophets, as I've already mentioned. They've removed so many things that the Bible tells us is to happen in the gathering of the church as per 1 Corinthians 14. So many things are no longer there. Well, it's just getting closer to the return of Jesus. 
And we are told that as we draw near the return of Jesus, we work to be found of him when he returns. We want him to find us in peace, without spot, and blameless. That is Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14. And that's our goal. All of the scriptures today are printed for you on our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Go to our blog and you'll find everything printed there for you. Tap on podcast and you can pull this broadcast up. It's called God Enlightened Me. And you'll have every one of the scriptures in writing for you. Again, the blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. This is Joan Boney speaking, and thank you for allowing me today to speak to you.